Thank you, Stephen. Um, what disciples do? That's the present series we're looking at. What we actually do. Uh, previously, before this series, we've looked at what we believe. And we've gone through the whole of the Apostles' Creed and taken each clause. And it is from what we believe that we're called into action. And I was meeting someone this week who said, oh, that's almost like it was predestined that you did it that way. Uh, and I was like, well, I, I, I can't take any credit for that. It's just how it managed to fall in, uh, into place. Uh, we're going off lectionary readings right now, and this is what, what we felt was, was the best call from the readings that we're having um, kind of organized for us in the church calendar. But having looked at all that we believe, we're now looking at what it is we're called to do. Because Jesus is going to say, well done, good and faithful servant. Not because you've ticked the boxes in what you believe, but because you've done the things he's called you to do. And I don't know how many of you will remember the WWJD movement. Um, I remember going on a placement to an Anglo-Catholic church as an interview of whether or not they were going to give me a job. And... Uh, I was coming from a bit of an evangelical background, and I had my earrings in, which they didn't like, and I had my WWJD bracelet on, which they were a bit, what's, what's this guy about? Uh, but in the end, we agreed that the most important thing is that we love Jesus and we do the things that he's asked us to do, and how we do them is based on our beliefs, but that we do them. And the priest at the, at the parish there um, he introduced me to all of his parishioners at the end of the Sunday, um, the, the, the Sunday of my interview placement weekend, and he said, this is Dan, he's a bit weird, but he loves Jesus, so that's okay. <laughs> and and that's, that's kind of the thing. We, we can be unique, but we've got to be doing. Yeah, what would Jesus do? WWJD. What would he do in our context? And we all are different. We're all different. But we are also all the same. Yeah? We have Christ in us, and he's calling us to be his disciples and to share the things that his word tells us to share and to do the things that his word tells us to do. And I just feel that the church globally right now has, has kind of slipped a little bit in that latter part. And it's all about what we believe. And we have our belief statements. And you check out websites of churches and it's what we believe. And it's all about key doctrines. And yes, they're important. But actually the gospel is a gospel of action. And we are called to do. So that's what we're looking at. We're looking at what disciples do. And today, the kind of, the, the mini theme within that is that disciples teach their families. They show faith in the life that they live, in the people they are called to live life with. And so thinking at the end of that reading, we just heard from the gospel, 
Um, what was Jesus' words? His words were, we have only done what we ought to have done. Yeah, he says, it's done. It's what we've done. It's not what we've believed. It's what we've done that he is rewarding. So I don't think I can stress enough the importance of doing. Yes, uh, we do need to, to, to be doing out of a place of being, out of a place of our belief. But we can't just sit there on our laurels, so to speak. We're not talking about gaining salvation because that's not something that we can do. That's not, that's not a possibility because there's nothing that we can do in order to be saved. Because salvation comes what? It's a gift of grace. And our response to that grace is stepping into faith. But faith needs to be worked out. Scripture tells us that it needs to be worked out. And by that it means we need to be working our faith outwards. Yeah, not, 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 like, not like a mathematical equation trying to work out what's the answer to, to, to faith, how do we get salvation, but actually working it out like you would um, is work out a muscle <laughs> um, and just showing, living life in the faith. But we to share that faith Primarily, well, first and foremostly, with our families. And I wonder, how do you share faith with your family? How, as parents, maybe, do you instruct your children? Or, or as grandparents, do you influence the generations that follow you? How, as, as members of the church, which is a family of families, how do you invest in others who come and be part of this community? And how do you share with those who are maybe newer to the faith than you are? See, whoever it is that we happen to be around, we've got to be sharing faith. The church is... It's an organization, an organization which exists for not those who belong already, but those who don't belong. The church is not here for us as its primary call. The church is here for the people who are out there. That's our existence. Our existence is based to take the gospel out. And so our faith, and I can get into trouble when I say things like this, but our faith isn't personal. You might say, I have a personal faith, all right, but it's not personal. It's not for us. We have been given faith in order to share faith, to give it away to other people. We've got faith as a response to the grace that God has given us. And he says, join me in my mission to reconcile the world to myself. 
That's what he says. So faith is not for you to hold on to. And we said it earlier in this series, you know, I've got my personal savior. He's not your personal savior. (laughs) Yes, he's your savior, but he's everyone's savior who responds in faith to the grace that he has given. When it comes to our families, we need to really be showing it, not just allowing them to come to listen to a sermon or, or get a, a book given to them or, or hear Miss Fern in, in, in children's church. I mean, think of, it, think of it this way. If you've got a family member who is suffering and sick and you had some medicine that is going to help make them better, you'd give it to them, wouldn't you? Well, take that same principle. We are all sick with sin. And everyone who's accepted Jesus and responded in faith to that gift of grace has the cure. And so all the people that you love in this world that don't know Jesus or haven't responded are suffering in sickness and you know how to make them better. So if you truly love them and you've got the cure, you're going to want to give it to them. You're going to want to show them how to be healthy. Because without Jesus, there's no healing in this world. Without Jesus, there isn't a life worth living. So let's dig in as we look at what disciples do. Because disciples, they, we've looked at it, they share the gospel. That's a call for every disciple to do, to share the gospel. And exactly the point today is that we've got to share it with the ones who are closest to us. The immediate family, the extended family, and then the the church family, the people who we are called to live life with. And our reading from today, from 2 Timothy, gives a really, really good example of a family that shared faith. Yeah, Paul knew Timothy. He'd grown up. Uh, he, he had Timothy grow up with him. He'd, he'd, he'd watched him. He'd, he'd helped um, instruct him in being a good teacher of the gospel. And, and in this second letter, he draws on the fact of how well he knows him. And in the first letter that he wrote, we looked at a bit of that last week. He tells Timothy, don't let anybody look down on you because of how young you are. And he tells the church in Corinth to to not regard him as being unworthy because of his age. But here, in the letter we heard today, in the part of that opening of the second uh, second letter, um, Paul understands the faith that Timothy has as being deep-rooted. He says it's a faith 
which had been worked out, a faith which was first shown to this world by his grandmother and then by his mother. It was cultivated in the home in which he grew up. And I can relate to that a little bit. My grandmother was a great woman of faith. She would have been 100 last week if she was still alive. Um, and my grandfather, and then my dad, and my mom, me. See, that there's this, this step on generation after generation of, of being deep-rooted in faith. <laughs> Stephen asked me this morning, um, I've, I can't, you, your accent, <laughs> where is it from? And I was at, I was at the vet earlier this week, and, and a vet who, who'd spent some time at the Royal Veterinary College, just north of London, asked me the same question. He says, whereabouts are you from? And I said, well, I'm from England. He said, no, I get that, but where in England? Because I can't place your accent. And, and I'm like, hmm. well, I don't really have an accent. It's a bit of everything, a bit, of, a bit from everywhere. And Stephen said, well, what do you call it? And I'd say, well, I call it a Patsbrat accent. He said, a what? <laughs> I was like, a Patriot's brat um, my dad being, being a military, he said, oh, we'd call it a military kid's accent. I said, okay. So a bit of everything. So I've not got any roots in a specific place. But I've got roots that are much more valuable than a place. Because they're in a person that is Jesus Christ. And that's what we're trying to teach the generations that come. And by generations, I don't mean just the young kids. I'm talking about all of those who turn to faith after you. Because you have the opportunity to then be a spiritual parent to them. Regardless if, if they're 90, 9, or 9 months old. You have that call to raise them in faith. Paul says here that it's a sincere faith that he sees in Timothy. That faith that was passed on to him from his mother and his grandmother. So be thinking. Be thinking this morning, how are you living out your faith? How are you living out your faith in front of your family? Do they see a sincere faith? Is the things... Are the things that you say and the things that you do pointing to the gospel? See, I guess faith can be taught, yes, but it's much more caught than taught. When we're talking about the people who we live our life with, the people who see us out and about, as, as, as Stephen was praying earlier. People catch faith. So 
So how do we live our lives? How are we living out our faith? You might be thinking the way that we live is, is less important than what we actually give people in terms of uh, doctrine, knowledge, and, and that side of faith. And you might be thinking that old saying, and I've been guilty of saying it to my kids, and I hated it when my dad said it to me. You know, do as I say, not as I do. Yeah? Do as I say, not as I do. But that's completely backwards when we come to discipleship, when we come to following Jesus, because it's what we do which actually influences people more than the things that we say. As disciples, we are called to do what? We are called to follow Jesus. That is what a disciple is. He is the master. We are the learner. We are following him. And Jesus asks us to go and make disciples of all nations. Disciples that can then go and again make disciples. So we are from... If you think about a picture from the front side, we're a sheep following the the good shepherd. And at the back, we're a shepherd leading other sheep. And and Paul says it um, in his first letter to the Corinthians in a way of, he says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. And so that is discipleship. To be imitating Christ so that, and, and leading others, inviting others to imitate you as you do that. And that, that's really the crux of it. Because it's about imitation. That's what people would be attracted to. And when you think about it in that way, Think about someone who you are following today. The the sign of a mature disciple is actually that they are discipling other people. Because that's what discipleship is. To be a Christian, to follow Jesus, means that there is at least one other person that you are leading as you do that. So be thinking, who is it that you can influence? Who is it that you get to lead in faith? Because to be a mature disciple and to have stepped into that calling is to at least have one person that you get to bring with you. And I I really want to speak against the lies that come from the enemy that say things like, I'm I'm not good enough to lead anybody else. I I, I don't have anybody in my life that I I can share Jesus with. Because if you have someone in your life, you have someone you can share Jesus with. Everyone who follows Jesus is called to lead others at the same time. Everyone has a different capacity, but there is at least one other person 
in your life that you can have imitate you as you imitate Christ. And so think of the person who you are following because you've got to be able to, again, everybody is human. Everybody can make mistakes. So you've got to be weighing the things that they say, the things that you see them do. Got to make sure that they are imitating Christ so that you can imitate them. Because if we blindly follow other people, then we blindly follow them in their sin as well as in the truth that they share. So really, who are you influencing and who is influencing you is vitally important as we look at what disciples do. And if we dig right into to that point of sharing it in the home, what are your relationships like with your fellow family members? Whether they live in the home with you or whether they live elsewhere, how are you able to take faith into those relationships? Now, I know, I know people in my family that turn off the minute that Jesus is mentioned and they don't want to talk about it. Okay, so don't talk about it. But again, it's imitation. How can you show Jesus to the things that you do if they're not turned on to the things that you say? Because faith cannot be passive. That's kind of an oxymoron to say those two words together. Faith is active. Or should I say authentic faith is active. Today, that, that epistle that we heard from Paul talks about uh, Timothy, and he says, Timothy, I, I, I want to rekindle that gift of God that is within you. He wants Timothy to be, to, to be bold. He, want, he tells Timothy, you've got a spirit of power and of life and of self-discipline that is in you. Not a spirit of fear. I want to say to all of you today, here, those watching at home, you too have a gift of God, the gift of the Spirit in you. And at the bare minimum, that gift is faith, if nothing else. When you look at the gift list of Scripture, faith is listed as a spiritual gift because it comes from God. So you're stepping into a life of faith as a response to the grace that God's lavished over you. And I believe wholeheartedly that there is more for every single one of you. If you'd only just take the step. See, from here on out, everything, everything should flow from faith. And remember, authentic faith is active, not passive. See, God gives you more and more through that boundless grace, that overflowing grace that he calls you to share and not hold on to like it's just for you. 
The gifts that begin to be worked out through your life, in your life. They're for the greater good of the church. For the community to which you are called to belong. So if you, if you kind of struggle a little bit with, with naming the gifts that God has given you, then I'd encourage you to do what Timothy did and put himself in the place to have hands laid on him and be prayed over. Because that's where those gifts came from, through that action. Because God has done for you exactly the same thing he did for Timothy. Christ has done for you exactly the same thing that he did for Timothy. And he calls you to step into the things that he wants to do through you now. What was the point of God calling you? What was the point of you stepping into salvation? It was so God says to you, now come and join me in my mission to the world. Don't sit by and watch other people doing it, but join me in the mission to reconcile the world to him. To use somewhat of an American sport language, you're not a second stringer. There's no such thing as a second stringer in the kingdom of God. You're not being benched. You can't be left in the changing room. You're put on the field every single moment of every single day. You are a first stringer. And the only thing that prevents you from actually playing is yourself. And the fears and the trepidations that you allow to sink in. The words of the enemy that say, you're not good enough to play. That's the only thing that prevents you. So we need to be praying for each other. We need to be praying for the fire. The fire of the Holy Spirit to be rekindled in us. I don't know how many of you have actually started a fire from scratch before. But it takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of work. As you kindle the fire. Let it be rekindled in you. Open yourself to receive from God all that he's got for you. Because as other people are praying for you, which we've just said we should all be praying for each other, if we're not open, then those prayers aren't going to impact our life. 
Because God will want, and he'll wait, and he'll wait, and he'll wait until we are open. But let's open ourselves so that the prayers of others can be answered in us as we are rekindled. And that fire takes hold of us. So that we can go and share the good news. Yes, we need to hold on to that standard, the sound teaching that Christ himself taught, that Paul and the other apostles taught as well and shared. And the truth that comes through that, the truth that is revealed to us through the word that's summarized for us in the Apostles' Creed as we've looked over during just pre-summer and into summer. See what we do with those words is we teach faith. But what we do because of those words really impacts another person to turn to faith. We need to keep true to faith, the faith that's within us, the faith that's been gifted to us. So that we can truly be spiritual parents to others. Because God did not put a spirit of fear in any one of you. He didn't make any of you cowards. He gave you a spirit of freedom. He gave you a spirit of power. He gave you a spirit of authority. So don't let any fear squash faith. Let faith instead stand and tower over fear. All right? Faith is always bigger than fear. But sometimes we don't see that. We allow ourselves to have that lie where we allow fear to grow. And we grow it out of all proportion. Because it's never, it's never that big. It only grows in our minds. It only becomes debilitating because we allow it to be. We need to be showing the truth. Not just saying the truth. We need to make sure that we are not proclaiming or even affirming other people that proclaim faith in anything other than Jesus Christ. Because he is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through him. But that doesn't mean that we don't care for and love people who want to say something different. We just don't affirm the words that they say. Our actions in that moment will speak to the God that we follow. So we've got to care for people. We've got to show respect to people. 
and we've got to allow them to choose to walk in the path that they are choosing to walk, but we don't have to affirm the path that they are choosing to walk. But not affirming doesn't mean kicking them out of the house if they don't follow the rules. It doesn't mean uh, being nasty to them. It, it, It means loving them, but making it quite clear that's not truth. Because our calling as a disciple is really quite simple. Share the good news. Take the faith into the places that we go That's it. Seems rather simple. But it takes effort, takes time. And as we as we come to a close today, I just want to ask you to think of traits that run in your family. Now, these could be some good traits. You might instantly think of some bad traits. But there are things that run in our families. This could be a physical attribute. Yeah? Eye color tends to run in families. Weird noses tend to run in families. Maybe it's a characteristic of being overly sensitive or easily angered or as tends to happen in my family, having a a nervous energy. Yeah, drives my wife crazy, but I'm always shaking my legs because, well, it runs in the family. My dad shakes his legs, I shake my legs and my kids tend to shake a little bit too. What is it that runs in your family? And then just think and ask yourself, wouldn't it be amazing? Amazing if you could say, if we could all say that faith runs in our family. I want to call you to step into that notion. Faith runs in our family. And if you're kind of still struggling a little bit with this this idea of what faith is, how faith needs to be worked out and shown to the world, if you're not sure about these gifts and how, how Timothy was prayed over with the laying on of hands and had those words spoken over him of no fear, of not being coward, of living into the power and the authority that he had been given from God. And having faith really rekindled in you. Then get someone to pray for you today. There are going to be people available as soon as the band play a response song, all the way through are reminding ourselves of of all that Christ has done for us during our Eucharistic prayer, our communion time, and into the receiving of the sacrament as well. Be prayed for 
be reminded of all that God has done for you and all that he's given you so that you can remind other people of that fact too. So as I invite the band back up to play and to lead us through uh, the response time and, and into communion, be thinking about Christ's sacrifice. What does he say? He says, God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that all who believe in him may live and not die. Life is the cure to sin because the curse of sin is death. Who is it that you love on this world that needs to hear that? that needs to see that working itself out in you. And so come, receive, hear the words that the band are going to sing. I think it's a new song that they're going to sing. If you might not know it, you might know it. Join in, let the words wash over you. Hear the call that is in it. To join with Jesus in the mission of God to reconcile the world to him. Because you're part of his body. And that's a body that we need to help and work with him in growing for this broken, broken world in which we live. So receive from him now through the music. Come forward and get prayer if that's how you feel called now. Or grab the person next to you and say, please pray for me. Or just be praying for other people that come to your mind and open your heart so that their prayers can make their way through.